I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Morning. This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Shadow Rising, please proceed with caution. Fail, please. I need you to carry this message to Camelin. Her hand tightened in his beard, and her head swung as if she were arguing with herself inside her head. I will go, she said at last, but I want a price. You always make me do things the hard way. In Saldea, I would not have to be the one who asked. My price is... A wedding. I want to marry you. She finished up in a rush. And I you. He smiled. We can say the betrothal vows in front of the women's circle tonight, but I'm afraid the wedding has to wait a year. When you come back from Camelin, she very nearly yanked a handful of beard out of his chin. I will have you for husband tonight, she said in fierce, slow tones, or I will not go until I do. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 49 to 53 of The Shadow Rising. Note, I have not read past chapter 53, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Shadow Rising or the next 10 books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 53, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter Summaries from Dragonmount.com Rand is welcomed by the roof mistress of Cold Rock's Hold. Kuladin attempts to find welcome, but oversteps and is humiliated. Rand accidentally gets Avienda in trouble. Rand attempts to find a gift to give Avienda as an apology. The maidens misunderstand and believe he is trying to attract her interest. Landfear invades Rand's dreams. The wise ones have also been spying on them. A Dragkar and Trollocs attack the hold, after which Rand acquires a bodyguard of Fardarai Mai. The Shido break camp and head to Alcair Dal early. Rand orders Ruark to follow them. Aginan visits Elaine and Nynaeve again, and is outed as Shanshan by Bail Doman and taken prisoner. Doman, Julin, and Tom all confirm that the Black Aja are hiding in the Panarch's palace, but none of them could discover whether the Panarch herself is a dark friend. Nynaeve meets Egwene and the Wise Ones in Teleron Riyadh and presents her problem. The Wise Ones suggest Nynaeve use need to search for answers, but she will have to step blindly. Nynaeve's first step takes her to a palace, where the Panarch Amathera is being held in Teleron Riyadh against her will by Tamila Kindarode. The second step takes her to a museum, where she spots the woman who compelled her. Nynaeve prepares to retaliate, but is distracted by Brigitta and informed that the woman is Mogidian, one of the Forsaken. Finally, Nynaeve finds the black metal collar and bracelets the Black Aja have been searching for. She and Elaine believe it to be an Adam made for a man. They are interrupted briefly when the Shanshan Seeker, looking for Aginan, tries to enter and is dispatched by Julin and Doman. Emmons Field has endured seven days of constant attacks, and its defenders are growing weary. A messenger from the south lives long enough to tell Perrin, we are coming. Loyal returns with a wounded Gaul. They have sealed the waygate, but counted thousands of Trollocs on their way back. After Fayil convinces Perrin to sleep, he scouts the wolf dream, looking for signs of the Trollocs. Perrin shoots Slayer, then wakes to learn that a mysteriously wounded Luke has left the village. Perrin asks Fael to take a message to Queen Morghese as pretext for sending her away before the Two Rivers is destroyed. Fael will go, but only if Perrin agrees to marry her. Okay, clearly Dragonmount thought a lot of things in this section were important. Yes. Because that was maybe the longest summary we've ever done from them. Um, I don't think it's the longest, but I think it's the longest this season. It's up there, for sure. And, you know, a lot does happen. Some of it seems kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. But Others is very important. But it's also Dragon Mount, and so they would know what might be important, so they would put stuff that might not seem important into their chapter summaries. True. Although they are not always... They don't always focus on things that I expect them to focus on. Like, they, there was a lot of stuff on Rand doing stuff in, the, in Cold Rock's Hold, and, like, it doesn't matter that much. No, the only things that really matter are the fact that it gets attacked and that... Uh, there's a lot of setting in, in Cold Rock's Hold. They get to Cold Rock's Hold. The roof mistress, Lian, Ruark's other wife, welcomes him and Ruark as clan chiefs. 
Well, so she welcomes Rourke as clan chief, and then Kooladin comes in trying to ask as a clan chief, and she's like, you may step foot through the door, but that's as far as you can go. Right. Which apparently is basically what they would do for a beggar, so like... The Aiel have some very refined senses when it comes to how to throw shade. And I kind of dig it. Which makes sense, because they live in a desert. Yeah. Ha. Ha. And then Rand asks very, like, modestly, and she's like, you are the chief of chiefs. Get your ass in here. Yeah. Basically is what... And he, he, he knew something, because he was coached on what to do by Avienda, and he just changes it. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I guess I was supposed to ask as if I was a chief, but whatever. It's he... always better... I am with Rand on this. It's always better to be modest than to go in like Kulin. Yeah, Rand asks like he's just some guy. Who needs help. He doesn't even really ask like an Aiel. No. He asks like somebody who's not an Aiel, but knows their ways. Yeah. Which is, you haven't read Dune. This is some Paul Atreides shit right here. I have to amend that. I will never read Dune. (laughs) I kind of don't blame you. I love it. I love Dune. It is my second favorite book series. You can talk. Actually, hold on. Cosmere exists. I love Dune, regardless of where it sits in my rankings. This will never be a Dune podcast. It may at one point be a Cosmere podcast. It might, depending on where we are when we're done with the Wheel of Time. But anyway. Several years from now. Anyway, Rand is pulling some Paul Atreides shit, and he's showing up, and he's kind of, in some ways, he's, he's clearly throwing kind of all of their traditions out the window. Because later, part of this section is Ruark telling Rand, we can't just go straight to Alcair Dahl. We have to wait for all of the other clan chiefs to be able to get there at around the same time. Because whoever gets there last is, like, shamed or something. No, I think it was if someone shows up after you, it's shame. So basically, yeah. like, everyone needs to be there. Right. And then the shadow spawn attack, which we'll get to in a moment. But after that, Rand's just like, screw it, we're going now. Because I don't want to risk that the Shido are going to go badmouth me. That, because the, Sh- the Shido do go ahead, and also, he just kind of needs to get moving. Rand's yeah, feeling the pressure. If he sits for too long, then more people are going to die. Right. And Ruark is like, the you know, you're defying custom, and Rand has a, has a good kind of quip back, which is, there is no custom that can cover me. I am the Ka card. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know. He knows when to pull the I'm the Dragon Reborn card. He does. Because he doesn't pull it often enough that when he does, everyone's like, okay, fine, you can, he you pulls can play it, that card. He pulls it twice in this section. He pulls it with Ruark, which is, I guess, not the Dragon Reborn card, but the Kaakarn card. And it's then he, the pulls same. It, he pulls it with Moraine, like, big time. He He's does. like, if you want to help me, help me. Don't just sit on the sideline and tell me I'm doing things wrong. You can come with me. But you have to listen to me, not the other way around. Yeah. She's not happy about that. No, she's not. You know, fair. She is like 80 years old and he's a boy. But. He is also the dragon. He's also the dragon reborn. And like, there's some stuff that he knows now from honestly a lot of research. It, It kind of feels like he, you know, gets this kind of attitude out of nowhere. And he does a little bit. Some of it is unearned. But he also spent a lot of time in tear off-screen, as it were, doing research. Yeah. He went through the archway in Tyr and asked questions, and he's been studying the prophecies, and he's been learning from Moraine and Elaine and Avienda and all of these people, and some of it is arrogance. He's having kind of like a learning training montage. So instead of like running up the stairs at the Philadelphia Museum, he is reading a shit ton of books. Yeah. It's unfortunate because that he does need to be doing that. He also needs to be having like a little bit of a power training montage because he's still really clumsy with it. But the thing that sucks is there is no... Who can teach him. Who can teach him. There are no steps of a museum for him to run up and down when right. it comes to the power. Like he is able to have sword and spear daddy training, but like that doesn't really help with the one power. No, it doesn't. There are, we, we have heard of and or met a handful of people who can channel Sidene. Loghain is not an option anymore. No, although he's going along with Min, so... Maybe. Maybe he's not going to be able to, like, really help him, but maybe a little bit. Probably more than Elaine and 
Egwene were in the, in the stone. Yeah, because he's at least able to be like he was he was able to control the power sort of well. Right. I, we weren't able to actually see it on page, but we did see it on screen in the show. Yeah. And he had a good handle on the power. He did. Now he was clearly going insane, but but you know that's so kind of the price you pay. It's the price you pay. It's Rand's gonna go insane, and like if you're gonna go insane, Logan didn't go like insane that. Badly, at least book Logan. True. We know very little about book Logan. Show Logan did kill someone. However, they were attacking him. So, like, there is a self defense argument to be made. Although he was, he did kill an Aes Sedai who was trying to contain him. I'm not anyway. saying it's murder. It's he killed someone, but it's not murder. True. The other couple non-forsaken channelers we know of are either dead in the case of Owen yeah. or off somewhere mysterious in the case of Mazrum Time. Yeah, because he escaped. He escaped. He's somewhere. Who knows? So there's really nobody to teach him. Except maybe Loghain, and I would kind of be down for that. That would be I want Loghain to have a purpose. Loghain definitely has a purpose. Let me tell you that. Like, I want... I don't want him to be all depression hours and then he lose... He has been gentled. And then lose his battle to mental health. Like, I don't want that for him. Yeah. So I would like him to go the way of Swan, which is channel all of his energy into a thing. Rage. (laughs) Vengeance. And there are worse things to do to survive. Yeah. I want, just like I want Swans to be, I want her to be channeled by rage and then lesbian sex once the rage is gone. (laughs) Rage and then lesbian sex in that order? Yes. Okay. They've got a job to do first, and then I want them to And then they have a different job to do. (laughs) Maybe several. I don't know their lives. So, yeah, I want Logan to have, like, a purpose. Okay. Cool. Probably not lesbian sex, but... It would be a little difficult for him to have lesbian sex. I mean, we don't know what gender is in the Wheel of Time. That's true. We only know Sidene and Sidar, and that's it. That's not gender. No. That's just the one power. Yeah. The one power is not gender. I am not, I'm not ascribing gender identities. Very fair. Well, except sort of, because I did, I do call men are non-binary leash, but. That's true. She has she-they energy. And I would kind of doubt that at the time Robert Jordan was writing these, he had the language to describe it if he wanted to. No, he would not. It was the 90s. Right. And he was an old white man. Right. So, yeah. Anyway. Back to Cold Rock's hold. There's some kind of Rand Avienda stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Rand does sort of shame her by not following her advice, which I feel that that's just not that relevant. But I didn't even think about right. He that. did his own thing. She's there to. I mean, I guess the the wise ones do kind of place Avienda at Rand's side to be able to control him, which. I think everybody is learning, bad idea. Don't try to control Rand. Right, and she's doing her best. She is. Especially because it's Rand. Like, we see how Moraine trying to control Rand is going because she's trying to do it with an iron fist. I think Avienda's realizing that, like, iron fist isn't the way to go. If I can at least get him to agree with me 50% of the time, that's better than nothing. Moraine is kind of 100% or nothing, and Avienda's like... Well, Avienda is also, she's trying to, she is being used to control him, but she is not trying to control him, which is helping her quite a bit. Yes. She's just trying to teach him their ways. And And he is legitimately interested in learning them because that's his heritage and he's chief of chief of these people and he doesn't want to do a bad job. And I think also he's just a person who likes to learn. Yes, definitely. Like, he's very Ravenclaw-esque. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Because, like, he really, like, when, even when he was such a shepherd, he really liked Although, to read with is Tam. He, is he Ravenclaw or is he Hufflepuff? If left to his own devices. <laughs> I think I'm still going to go with Ravenclaw because when he was such a shepherd, his favorite things were to sit and read with his dad at night. That's true. That's very Ravenclaw That is energy. the vibe I want for Rand. <laughs> that is as well. I want Rand to be able to just sit by the fire. With his cozy sweater. Yep. Reading a book. And reading. Yep. I will still, to this day, maintain that that is one of the things that they did Rand's character in the show the dirtiest. They turned all of that kind of like homebody nerd energy into 
he likes it because Egwene likes it. Yeah, he's an Egwene simp. And, like, I get it a little bit, but... But also... Also, give Rand a character. Also, let him be a cozy nerd. Yes. Cozy nerd Rand supremacy. Yes. This is a cozy nerd just, Rand podcast. Just don't cast someone like Oscar Isaac as him, as an old man, or else I will lose my shit. <laughs> That would be too much. That would be way too much. I would die. <laughs> yeah. We haven't discussed it on the podcast. But I, I think not... we have. Oh, maybe we have, and I'm just forgetting because I just constantly go through a cycle of I love Oscar Isaac uh, and Pedro Pascal. Yeah. You have a type. Either one. I have a type, and that type is you or Silver Fox Latin Men. That's fair because my type is either you or just women in general. So... <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same energy, Same I guess. Same energy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> We've gotten very off track. Rand defends Avienda. <laughs> he also buys her a present. Yes. Well, he doesn't buy it because the maidens are like, here, take it. And then they make him do this whole, like, ceremony thing. And he's like, sure. Because he's afraid of the maidens, which I think they like. Fair. <laughs> and so he's like, you know what? This isn't the maiden's kiss, so I'm just going to go along with it. Yup. And then he brings the present to Avienda, and she's like, they think you're trying to court me, basically. is what it is. He's like, oh, I can go tell them. He's like, no. no just make just, it worse. Just make it worse. I'll take the bracelet. Haven't you ever read a romance book, Rand? You've read The Travels of Jane Farstrider. That's a book in the series. Anyway, Rand would, has not read a romance book. Would a modern book. day Rand read romance novels? No, because a modern day Rand would read what Tam reads, which is definitely World War II history. And historical romance. I could definitely see Tam having some historical romance on his shelf. Maybe. But only because wives. only because Carrie liked them. And he read them. And he well, okay, so Tam reads them, but not because he likes them. He reads them to feel connected to his dead wife. He's reading romance novels. Yes, he's reading romance. I don't know that Rand reads them though. I feel like he absolutely I feel like Rand all three all three of those them? all three of those two rivers boys have read in a modern world. Have read at least. Mad reads novel. some dirty shit, and they read them because they're trying to figure out women, which is not a bad way to try to figure out women. If you don't, the handful of romance books I've read, yes, that is a bad way to figure out women. They're all written by women, so if you want to have at least a glimpse into how the mind of a woman works, reading a romance novel isn't a bad way. It's okay. not the best way, but, but it's you not learn a bad some way. fucked up things from them. You can't deny that. Eh. But yes, I can absolutely see. Matt reading some smutty romance novels. Oh yeah, to learn some tricks. Okay. which that would. But hold on, does Matt does Matt read smutty romance novels or does Matt read porn? And I'm not talking like very spicy romance. I'm talking like straight up. This is porn. Just like, erotica, does, no plot. Does Matt pick up the Randland copy of Playboy and leaf through it? That's not porn, though. Okay. That's not written porn. All of the articles in Playboy are actually <laughs> really good, <laughs> really good articles. It's That's just a fair point. interspaced with pictures of naked women. Yeah, which I mean, fair, but sure. I, yeah, I feel like Matt would read at least like at a minimum, very, very, very spicy, like five chili pepper romance novels or yeah. erotica, and they are different because a romance novel has a plot, whereas erotica, the plot is the sex. Yeah. Okay. I think Perrin has read a romance Perrin novel. Perrin might just read the occasional romance novel. I don't think Rand reads them. Rand has too much accidental game to read a romance novel. Yeah, that's fair. He does have accidental game. Perrin doesn't have accidental As game. As demonstrated by him buying a present for Avienda and then later having a dream, having his Min and Elaine dream now also featuring Avienda. <laughs> yes. And that is a very good segue to the dream, which is, you know, they're about to... I don't know, do stuff in a pond? Yeah, that's the dream. He has the same dream. Now this you know, time it's just Avienda's there. There are much worse dreams to have, except for when Lanfear shows her face. And Although, if they're doing stuff itself, in a pond, that is just begging for a yeast infection. So no, Rand. They have the one power. They could heal it. That's true. Everyone there but Min can channel. And so. they could just heal Min. They yeah. can't heal themselves, but they could heal each other. Can you heal a yeast infection? You can heal a disease. Okay. You can heal an infection. Wow. <laughs> that was that was a tangent we just <laughs> It was. What else could you do with the one power? I that's a that's a bad place to go down. 
you can do some crazy shit with the one power. Including, well, actually, Lanefear probably Lane? doesn't do it with the one power. Lanefear's probably just a dreamer. Because she kind of forces her way into Rand's dream. Which, you know, she's very attractive. That probably wouldn't be he, the worst thing. He doesn't recognize if her at actual Lanefear. Like, if it weren't actual Lanefear, yeah, she's very attractive. That could be a fun dream. She does, like, he does not recognize her at first. And then she yeah. says something and he's like, oh, you're Lanfear," which yeah. I found interesting. And that actually was really interesting because the writing didn't recognize her either until it snapped into focus. Oh, no, the second... I mean, it was clear wo- who it was. And the second a random woman was in there, I was like, oh, it's Lanfear." <laughs> <laughs> All right. But the way it was written is it was written to be a stranger and that came across well to oh. me. <laughs> no, it was just immediately, I was like, oh, this random woman, Lanfear." And Who then, else comes into Rand's dreams? I, I don't know. Egwene? The wise ones, clearly. Random pretty woman whose description did not match anyone we've met before. That's true. Lanfear. That's fair. But yeah, Lanfear pokes her head in. is like, haha, you can't get over me. I'm in your dream. But she put herself there. Lanfear's rather conceited. No. <laughs> but yeah, then he wakes up and then uh, yeah, Avienda's in his room. like Persian, like, what you dreaming about? <laughs> and he... He sees someone in his room and immediately grabs the source. Yeah. Because he thinks it's Lanfear. Fair, Fair assumption. assumption. And then she's just like, uh, no, it's not whoever you think it is. It's me. Hi. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't immolate me with the source. Also, sorry we've been spying on you in your dreams. Also, sorry I wasn't supposed to tell you that. Yep. She gives a lot away real quick. <laughs> I mean, she kind of scared her. Yeah, but you'd think she'd be a little bit more disciplined as a maiden. I feel like all bets are off when a man can channel. That is true. Very, very, very true. Yeah, it's a party in Rand's head, and Rand didn't invite anyone. I mean, subconsciously, he did invite Avienda, Min, and Elaine. But not Lanfear or the wise ones. No. He's got a bunch of old women running around in his head because Lanfear is also old. I can just imagine the wise women have been, like, sitting in on his pond <laughs> dreams. And then all of a sudden, Avienda starts showing up and they're like, hmm. They would approve. <laughs> they're, they're, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think that is what they're trying to it's do. It's very much forced proximity going on. Which is another one of my favorite tropes, so. Yup. But that train of thought gets interrupted by a drag car attack. Yep. The vampire attacked. I'm just, just I, I forget that what they're called every time, and so they're just vampires. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where drag car kind of comes from. Dracula. They're Draculas. Yeah, they're vampires. Yeah. So there's a vampire attack. Snacking on a maiden who's, watching, who's standing guard. Yep. Rip. Yep. Because they save her from the drag car, but she's kind of, she's gone. Yeah, her soul's gone because yeah. that's what they do first. Yeah. It was, she was mortally wounded regardless by the drag car who had injured her. So probably good that she was dying or else yeah. she was just going to be a mindless, soulless husk of a person for the rest of her short life. Yeah. Um, but then Rand goes around Cold Rock's Hold just obliterating Shadowspawn wherever he sees them. Yeah, and we like, jump into Matt's POV for that sort of. Yeah, Rand is like running around with his sword being real obvious to draw attention. Because Ruark tries to give him the Shufa. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want them to know it's me. I'm the one they're after. Right. It's just going to be worse for all of you if they can't figure out who I am. Yep. And then we flip into Matt's POV and he gets some compliments from the maidens for his fighting. He's good. They are pleasantly surprised. Yep. He tries to use that to gain favor with Asendra. And he's it does not work. good with his spear. <laughs> And he tries to use that exact that exact line, basically, with Sandra. Yep, and who has none of it. Has she none is of it. just repeatedly not at all interested in Matt whatsoever. And I think it's so funny for Matt because he's just not used to it at all. So it's my favorite part of the romance novel with the cocky hero. Yep. When the heroine just keeps turning him down. And I don't think that Sandra is going to be the person that Matt ends up with. And I don't ship that. But... She is fulfilling that role she's, in the romance novel. She's not the daughter of the nine moons. No. She's fulfilling that role of the trope that I... It's a trope. It's overdone. I still love it. Of the <laughs> cocky hero who tries to hit on the girl, and she's like, I want none of you. And he's like, what? Yeah. That's Matt right now, and I really love that for him. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
the result of the attack is that Ruark and Rand and basically everybody decides that Rand needs a guard. And there's a, a small debate about who should do it. There, Ruark's former society, I believe Ruark was a red shield. That kind of enters the, the equation at the beginning because they're like, well, you know, you're at Cold Rock's hold, Ruark's clan chief, but that would offend the rest of the societies. So maybe we rotate and then they're just like, the maidens have volunteered. The maidens will do it. And I feel like they did that because of the earlier interaction with him and the present for Avienda. Oh, there's a lot going on here. So partially, yes, but also partially, Rand is, as far as they know, as far as we know, the only son of a maiden to ever be known to the maidens. He was Shile's child, and Aiel tradition is when a maiden gets pregnant and doesn't want to give up the spear, she gives up the child to be raised by the society, and they take care of it, and they, they want to because they could, you know, maybe that's Rand. Yeah. But they never reveal who the parents are. It's just... Rand is the only one who's known and come back to them. Yeah. So he carries their honor. I think also they are still embracing Avienda. Yeah. Like, because the, well, clearly, cause the like, ceremony they that they did with him and, like, accepting his, what they thought was bids for Avienda's affection, she's like, they're tr- basically they're treating me like I'm still a maiden. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen with Avienda, Avienda's a, a not great example because she's too recently away from the maidens, but Amisa used to be a maiden and she clearly has maiden-like tendencies still. Yeah. She still knows maiden hand talk. She, you know, will put on a shufa and carry spears in the dream. Being a maiden isn't something you ever really forget, which and makes I, sense. Yeah. Because, like, so. the Aiel don't put their weapons down except under very, very specific circumstances. And I dig the maidens being his guard. Yeah. What about it? It's cool. The other thing that happens is that the Shido take advantage of the confusion because the Shadow Spawn did not attack the Shido, and they leave to Alcair Dahl. And, yeah, so I think they're trying to go and basically badmouth Rand, or at least that's what he thinks. So yeah. he's like, I've got to follow them. They want to control the conversation, and Rand doesn't mean to let that happen. And nope. he's going to, they're he and the other Aiel are going to leave now to get there before the other clan chiefs. And if other if people get offended, people get offended. He'll figure out how to make it up to him later. Right. And... They do seem to, because when we see Egwene later in one of the dreams, she's on a horse. Yeah, they're traveling. Traveling. So she went with him, and so did Matt. Yep. Something else interesting here happens with Matt that's pretty small, um, but worth noting, is that Matt kind of before Ruark says anything about what the Shadowspawn were doing. So the Shadowspawn sent Trollocs to fight, but as a distraction for the drag car trying to swoop down and kind of slurp up Rand's soul. Matt calls that out before Ruark did, and Ruark's like, hey, you have a good mind for strategy. And he's like, like, yeah, of course I do. And then he's like, damn it, I need to keep my mouth shut. Right. Something's going on with Matt. He's got thousands of years of Minethrin warlords stuck into his head. Yep. That's what's going on. Speaks the old tongue, has a Is that the Red Eagle in his vision? In Matt's vision? Yeah, or in his in, min visions. Um, is this basically the represent like because the red eagle is a symbol of Manetherin? Is the fact that thousands of years of Manethra have been like it's not just Manethra in, in Matt's head? It is just thousands of years of tactical knowledge, that memories from generals. But the old tongue, the old tongue is certainly part of it. Um, you're not wrong. You're just not completely right. Okay. So there's a lot. More I cannot to it. cross that one off. You yet. cannot cross that one off yet. All right. You're not wrong. It's just there's a lot. There's more to the question. There's nuance there. Um, no, ah. <laughs> there's not nuance there. It will be really fucking obvious when we get to it. Cool. Like the horn was. Yes, like the horn. Okay. Yeah. So that is all the stuff in Cold Rock's Hold. We've got a couple of other sections. There's Elaine and Nynaeve in Tenchico. Yeah, we only Para. we only ever really get Nynaeve if. It's the dream world. Which is interesting. I don't know why there's that split between Elaine's dealing with the real world and Nynaeve's dealing with the dream world. Well, they, they both go into the dream world. They well, both talk about it. We just never see Elaine in the dream world, right. really. Except for that one time. Or when they're both there together. It might have been like the first time. But, yeah, the it's just interesting to me that the only time we see Nynaeve's point of view is in a dream. Yeah, it is. I hadn't really thought about that split until 
just now. But yeah, um, which I think actually probably helps a little bit um, because in the dream, Nynaeve doesn't have great control over herself because, you know, that's her that's her whole thing right now is that she needs to learn to get a get a handle on herself. Yeah. Um, and the dream really shows that off with her changing appearance and all that other stuff that comes with it being a world of minds, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Elaine and Nynaeve are in Tenshiko. They're trying to figure out their kind of plan of attack. They've been eating with a Guinan because... They like her. They like her, and a Guinan's like, hey, I want to learn, I want to talk to you. Because she's just trying to figure out this whole channeling thing. Yeah. She's going through a time. Yep. And Aginian has kept her secret of being Sean Chan very well. Until Baildomon storms in. Yep. And they try to fight. Yep. Instantly. Because Ex- he's like, she do be, she she do be, be Sean, Sean Chan. Chan. <laughs> I couldn't get it out without starting to laugh. It's still... It's, I just never noticed it until you pointed it out, and now I can't. He do be talking like that a lot. <laughs> he do be talking like that a lot. It's like fucking um, Swan and the fish references. And I can't unhear you it. Can't, once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. No. And those are both way worse than like Nynaeve's braid tugging, which is also pretty bad. I think this is the worst book for the braid tugging. I actually don't notice it all that often. It's It happens less frequently than people assume it does, but it's still a large part of her character. It is, to the point that... Elaine pointed out that she can't tug on her braid right now. Right, she's wearing it in like a tanshikin fashion, braids. which is like a bunch of different braids, like Leandrin, because Leandrin's from Tanshiko. And there's no one oh, braid to pull. That's what that looks like. Okay, now I have a vision yeah. for it. Yeah, so Aginan and Baildomon almost get into a fight, but Aginan is very, very severely outnumbered. Yeah, and so she's just like, okay, fine. Yep. They bind she- her up, they ask her a bunch of questions. She does point out, she's like, I did let this alarm go because yeah. I've learned that whatever I knew before was right. not right. Right. She had, she had the Saldam bound and then she talked after, it was after she talked to Elaine and Nynaeve where she was like, oh, people can learn how to channel. This is awful. I'm going to let this Saldam go because I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. And she, she's like, I don't want to keep a person captive while I'm trying to figure this out. Right. Which like, okay. You, go you know, then. Relatively, Learning. relatively good choice. We'll see see how it works. She's got a lot of uh, Sean Chan history to overcome, but she clearly wants to. So I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Yeah, and Elaine is as well. Nynaeve is absolutely no. not. And you know what? I think everybody's response here is relatively fair. Yeah, it's a very nuanced. Like Elaine wants to let Aginan go so that Aginan can like you know experience that. Hey, not all eyes said I are awful. Women who can channel are just women. Yeah. And Nynaeve's like, we should just throw her into the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, also fair. The Sean Chan have slaves. They do. And I think Nynaeve is coming at it from a, like, I've known Egwene her entire life, and you did this to my friend. Right. So I want to see you pay. And Elaine is like, Egwene is my friend. However, you clearly are trying to figure this out, so I want to give you a little bit of space Right. To hold yourself accountable for the shitty things you did. The Sean Chan have got to change, and that starts with changing people. Yeah. So. She's coming at it from a more bird's eye view. Right. Where, it's like, she's seeing the forest, and Nynaeve is seeing the tree. Yeah, definitely. Which is just a description of their personalities. It Nynaeve really absolutely is. cannot see the, no. the forest for the trees. No, Nynaeve focuses on the thing in front of her and not the future, necessarily. Which, you know, I kind of get, given that for her, she wants the future to be Lan, and who knows what the hell's going to happen there. Lan wants to go off to his death and is bonded to Moraine. And it's just so interesting that these are the two women in in Lan's life, is Moraine only can ever see the forest. She can't see trees. Right. And Nynaeve can't see the forest. She only sees trees. And Lan can see both. Definitely. Which is what makes him an amazing warrior. Yeah. Uh, he knows when to focus on the future, and he knows when to focus on the present. Yeah. It's great. Land's great. We've established this is a <laughs> Land Mandragor and Appreciation podcast. Yes, it is. And we don't see... what. I just need more land. <laughs> I need more land. Very, very, very fair. We do learn a couple of things from Elaine's POV before Nynaeve goes into Teleron Riyadh, which is that the Black Aja have camped out in the Panarch's Palace. Panarch Amathera. 
Jacob Cardin is there. Yep. And we know he's evil. We do know he's evil. He is a dark friend. He is. He was at the dark friend social. Yes. So he was whatever the guy who was in disguise. Bors. Bors. The man who called himself Bors. Yep. So now they're trying to wonder because they think that what the Black Aja is after is in the Panarch's Palace in this like museum that's yeah. there. So now they're trying to figure out is Amathera, the Panarch, willingly helping them? Has she been tricked into helping them? Or is she captive? And I All think we possible. find out she's the latter. Yeah. When Nynaeve goes in to tell her and Riyad and kind of like pushes herself around via what needs to happen, she comes across one of the Black Aja torturing Amathera in the dream world. And so she's like, well, you're definitely not a dark friend. Right. Um, we get a couple of other... There's not a ton Because in... being duped and then being captive are not mutually exclusive. They are not. They are not. She might have been duped and then taken captive. True. Although Leandrin is with them and Leandrin can do that like weird limited compulsion. So they don't really have a need to dupe people if they can get them alone. Yeah. I mean, but how do you get someone alone? You just dupe them. You just one power your way in. That's messy. It is True. Leandrin though, so. Yeah, Leandrin doesn't give a shit. No. But I and I tend also to working believe with one of the Forsaken. I tend to believe that they probably like sweet talked their way in and then took her captive. Maybe they are also there are there are to die. There are several of them, and not all of them no. are. Not all of them are reds. First of all, nope. And I guess most of them th- aren't reds. I guess none of them are reds technically. I would say that they probably think of themselves as both. Nah. Fair. You don't get to be one of the cool, fun colors of the eyes that I and be a dark friend. Yeah. You're Black Aja. That's fair. But... However, they are also working with a Forsaken. Yeah. We don't know what tools the Forsaken have at their disposal. They may... Mogedian, who we learn is... Clearly the, is able to just, like, get people... Right. I'd say that's a version of being duped. Maybe. It's on the borderline of, like, are you being duped? Are you a captive? Is it both? Like, you're being made to act in a way that isn't consciously against your will, but it's also not something you're choosing to do yourself. Yeah. But we learn that the woman who compelled Elaine and Nynaeve to kind of spill their secrets is Mogidian, one of the Forsaken. Yes, I knew she was a Forsaken. I did not know which one. Yep. No one walks in there and does that and is no Forsaken. That's just not how plot works. That's true. It's just not how plot works. No. You weren't just some random person. It's the wheel of time it could be. Yeah, but that would just... If that was the case, I don't think people would like this series as much. Not unless they came back later. Yeah, but like... it just makes sense. And sometimes you want the question to have an obvious answer. That's true. Very, very if true. You, if I'm reading something and none of the questions have an obvious answer, I'm going to stop reading because it's just too much work and I read to enjoy things. Yeah, that's fair. I read for fun. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Mogidian's there. She's hanging out with the Black Aja. Um, one She's... of the heroes of the Horn warns Nynaeve about her. Brigitte. Yep, which is pretty cool. She's been popping up in these dreams a lot. Yeah. Not being supposed to help people, but is anyway. Yep. She says she's not supposed to help people. Geidel Kane, another hero of the horn, shows up and is like, like, what are you doing, you dumb Her husband? They're like bound together and find each other in every life. They're soulmates, which I They are literal soulmates. They are literally bound to the pattern together. And they have found each other in each one of them. Yep. And I love it. Yep. I like that soulmates exist. Yeah, it's fun. Well, clearly soulmates exist because uh, even if they're not bound to be reincarnated all the time because men can see them. Rand has three. I don't know that I would consider those soulmates in the same way. The pattern has decreed that they will be together. (laughs) That's that's true. And does it change if he's also Taviran? That's just seeing the future. There's a difference. Okay. This isn't a pod... This is not the point of this episode. I can at some point go into a whole thing about <laughs> the literary components of soulmates and how soulmates are used in fan fiction and all of those things, but that is not the point of this podcast episode. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're soulmates. I think that Min just sees the future. Okay. I can accept that for now. I'm interested to know your thoughts in the future, though. <laughs> Maybe I'll find some soulmate fan fiction for you to read. Great. <laughs> there are, I would say... Two other things that are kind of important about Nynaeve's section. First one is very minor. She changes her appearance. She puts on a different face. Yes. 
She, um, which is interesting how quickly she learned because at one point in her dream, she's just dressed as a little girl, and that was clearly done to her. So right. she's quickly able to get from being dressed as a little girl to changing her entire face. Yeah. One of the wise ones puts Nynaeve in a little girl outfit. Yeah. So I guess we, we learned three things actually here. One, you can do things to other people. We already knew that. Um, yeah, they do that to Egwene. Yeah, she's randomly naked. Right. Um, but two, you can change a hell of a lot about yourself in the world of dreams. Which plays into, I didn't think about it and I didn't connect it until now, it plays into the Luke is Slayer thing. Because Luke is Slayer. We will get to that later. But it does play into it. It does. That's true. The other thing that we learn is we learn what exactly, or we have an idea of what exactly the Black Aja is going after in Tanchico, which is in the Panarch's Palace, which is this bracelet set of bracelets and collar made out of Quendiar. Actually, no, it's not made out of Quendiar. That's there's just a there's um, a Quendiar there. There's a, there's seal. a seal to the Dark One's prison. Yeah, there's in the palace. Yeah, but there is a bracelet and collar set, and it appears to be an Adam for a man, which is a bad thing to have. Yep, they it, are planning on trying to call her Rand. It leads to some questions. Does it have to be? And actually, if you think of the mechanics of this make total sense when you learn about it later. So I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there. There is a definite answer as to why this is. Okay. That is not spelled out. Do you think that an Adam for a man has to be wielded by a man? Is this going to be something that one of the ma- one of the remaining fa- male Forsaken puts on their wrist and collars Rand with? That would make sense yes. if that were the case. However, the women Forsaken don't seem to have a very high opinion of their male counterparts, and so I don't think that they would trust them with the thing. Okay, okay. There's a definite answer. And when we come across the first time that this answer comes up, I'll try to remember and explain what's happening here. I do also just have a question because that brought it up that especially in considering how the Adam works with in Shanshan culture is that people who can talk to be channelers mm-hmm. are the ones who call her inherent channelers. Yeah. Are there men who can be taught to channel? Yeah. So in theory, one of those could do it. That's true. Too. Very true. And I kind of wonder if that would run the same risk of insanity. Probably. Maybe not. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm thinking about it and it definitely, definitely would. There's another reason why that that wouldn't work, but... But, like, so are men who can learn to channel, do they also go insane? Not unless they touch the source. So, in this case, they would be touching the source in order to call her They would have to. Yeah. They would start to go insane. Yeah. There is another reason why that won't work, though. We'll get to it. Okay. I'm confused. There are are even more mechanics to the one power that have not been explained yet. Okay. But, yeah, the Black Hodge is looking for male Adam. I don't think that they would be using the... I don't think that they would... They seem to have gone for this as their answer rather quickly. This doesn't seem like as a last resort answer to try to control Rand. So my instinct says that these men hating women in the Black Aja would not have had their first instinct for a plan to be one that relied on a man. Very, very fair. It just does not make sense. Yeah, that's not Leandrin's speed. That's not Leandrin's speed. She her f- she would do this as a last resort. Okay. And she would probably, if it would work, I'm again there are there you said there's things that I don't understand yet because that's the point of this podcast. But from the operating knowledge that I have now, her first instinct would be then to find a man who could be taught to channel that she could control more easily. Okay. Than a male Forsaken. Yeah. She's being controlled by the Forsaken. She doesn't think she is, but yes. she is. She would not be able to control a male Forsaken, so she would try to find someone. Yeah. She Or she would try to find an Owen or, a, like, uh, that kind of... She would try to find another male channeler and be like, hey, I won't gentle you yeah. if you go along with my plan. Okay. But... This would not have been her first instinct if no. it relied on a man. So. Definitely not. Okay. I can I, I can get behind that reasoning for sure. Very cool. One last naive thing is that they get woken up by somebody trying to attack Aganen because they think Aganen's betraying the Empire. Which she kind of is. So I yeah. guess like they're not wrong. But she is kind of like, yeah, we should just kill him. Yeah. And then she mentions that she has a... 
big old crush on Bill Domon. Yeah, she does. She do be thinking Domon is cute. <laughs> and I kind of hope that this is a thing because if this is, because you've said before that the Bale Domon lesbian pirate vibes get even stronger. Right? So if this is a thing, lesbian pirate Bale Domon. Yep. Sorry, lesbian pirate Gail Domon? Gail, Gail Domon. Yes. Lesbian pirate Gail Domon lives to see another day. Yup. And that other day will be in five years when we have finished the series and I can start <laughs> writing fan fiction. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. And it will absolutely be some sort of weird Wheel of Time, Our Flag Means Death hybrid. Because there's also the other lesbian pirates that we've decided. That's true. Did we have this conversation on the podcast or was this an outside of podcast conversation? This is an outside of I think we did not have this conversation on the podcast. But I think that Soiraine... They could be lesbian pirates. They would be great lesbian pirates. Yeah. And I could absolutely see Moraine as a gentlewoman pirate. Yeah, Moraine is... And Swan is Blackbeard. Yeah, Moraine is Steed for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And Swan is definitely Blackbeard. Yeah. 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 100%. 100%. (laughs) I'd I'd get behind that AU. (laughs) Yeah. In five years, I'll have you read it. Yeah. You could probably write that sooner. Um, I could. The problem is that I'd want to read some fan fiction to just see how people are characterizing it, and I can't yeah. read fan fiction yet. Yeah, there's some, you know, because I read like large spoilers for the remaining ten books that could happen. Right, because I read several months worth of Marauders fan fiction before I started writing it. So. Okay. Okay. I gotta do some prep. Yes. It's just like how you know I'm reading a series of swim romances before I write a swim series. Sure. Romance. Do some research. Yeah. Speaking of ships and not just pirate ships, the big event happens for Perrin here. We have a wedding. It's very quick. It is very quick. <laughs> and then immediately the shifts to another point of view after. No. The well, next chapter is not a Perrin chapter. Oh, well, I was mainly being like, no, we don't get this anything. This section. It just ends with a wedding. Ends with the wedding. But yeah, so there's some stuff that happens before. The Two Rivers is having a bad time. They can Well, they continue to have a bad time. Yes. The White Cloaks are there. The White Cloaks are not helping. They're just hanging out. But Trolloc after Trolloc after Trolloc is attacking the Two Rivers. Or really, I guess, Emmonsfield. Two Rivers is the whole place. They've kind of gotten down on resources a little bit. The Isodai are getting tired, and they're only healing people who are going to die without healing. The Trollocs are getting closer and closer to the walls. They're running out of arrows. The pe- people have started calling themselves parents, like companions. Yeah, they're taking. T- Tam must have let slip about the Ilianer companions, and now Perrin has companions. <laughs> He's like, God damn it! How long do you think before they start calling themselves some variation of the Wolf Guard? I kind of want it because I just want to see Perrin's reaction. Yeah, I don't remember if that is actually a thing, but it's definitely the the vibe that they're gonna go for at some point. I also, so I get why Perrin is sending Fael off to Camelin, but you know what's going to have an unintended side effect? Mm. She's absolutely going to bring up to Morgay's like, hey, you should make Perrin a lord. <laughs> that gets really complicated after they get married. We'll get into that. But she, you know she's going to. Like, she or she would. I don't know if she's going to, but she absolutely, absolutely would. Yeah. We'll get into why that's really fucking complicated. There are a couple things before the wedding. Um, there's some mention of support coming from the South. I guess, yeah, because there was a random injured man, but we don't know. I don't know what's going on there. So No one really does. He promptly dies. Yep. Loyal and Gaul are back. Loyal just, like, ran with an injured Gaul for, like, four days. Loyal outran Trollocs. <laughs> Loyal outran Aiel. Yeah. Loyal can run. Loyal, could, I mean, it does help. He's got long legs. He's he's real so big. at a minimum he could keep up with an Aiel, but he yes. was real motivated and outran. Yup, because Gaul was injured, so he got to. He didn't just run. He carried ran, Gaul. carried carrying Gaul for five days. Yup, and outran thousands of Trollocs, and then later. Loyal is best friend. <laughs> Loyal will not abandon you to the Trollocs. Loyal will run for five days to make sure you're safe. And he's Marathon also... distances? Fuck that, I'm loyal. <laughs> he is a groomsman, too, because him and Gaul both stand up for parent yeah. at the wedding, and I love it so much. I want to see Loyal wearing a suit. Just a big 
furry Ogier wearing a suit. A tux. I really want it. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone out there who listens uh, draws fan art, please draw. Best man loyal. Because <laughs> he draw. is best man. Sorry, Lamb. <laughs> loyal takes takes it this week. Yeah, he really does. But yes, I really would love to see some art of Loyal in a tux. Yep, book instead of a uh, like a little little tiny book instead of yeah. like a handkerchief. Pocket square. Pocket square. That's there we the go. word. <laughs> book instead of a pocket square. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little, um, little baby book. Little, that was not what I was going to bring little, up. Little three hundred page <laughs> novella. <laughs> but later, Perrin notices that like Loyal's like writing down him and Gaul's adventure, and he's like, he's absolutely writing it so that Gaul did everything. Even though Loyal yep. was the one who did everything there. Because yep. he's the only one who can close the way gate. Yep. He ran for four days. Yep. He's absolutely making Gaul out to be the hero of that story. Yep. And, like, Gaul probably deserves a good amount of credit. Gaul is an Aiel. Gaul volunteered. Yeah. He went. He probably kept Loyal very safe because Loyal is very strong. Gaul is undoubtedly the better fighter. Right. So he probably, if they did encounter anything, he could have just put Gaul down for a couple of minutes while Gaul did his thing and then picked him back up and kept on running. Yeah. Um, the maidens seem kind of concerned about Gaul, yeah, which they, is kind of weird. Yeah, they, like, basically threaten him into being cooperative. Yeah, which, like, that's kind of, that's maiden fur. Yeah, that's maiden energy. Yeah. Um, they did see, on the way back, several thousand Trollocs. Which is interesting, because Luke said there was only a thousand when he brought back more trophies. A.K.A. Murdral heads. Or Trolloc heads. Or Trolloc heads. Just heads. Just heads. He keeps bringing back heads of things he absolutely did not kill himself. I mean, he might have. Sus. I, I didn't say how hard they fought back, but he might have killed them. I would not put it past him to have Gilderoy Lockhart his way through the situation and walked past a bunch of dead Trollocs and Murdral and then cut off their heads and then claimed them as his own. That's fair. One thing we do get is, as a result of Luke saying that there are only about a thousand Trollocs and... Gaul and Loyal saying, there are a fuckload of Trollocs. Perrin goes into the wolf dream, sees a bunch of visions. Yep. Which he, is, like, is pretty standard at this point. He sees Egwene surrounded by a bunch of kneeling women. And then he sees Matt just naked and screaming and bound. <laughs> that's basically what's happening there. I am wondering if I know what that's about. He's bound with like his spear behind his elbows. So oh, that's a little different than like, what I was thinking. So he's like... Tied up, but also, like, the spear is keeping him immobile. Mm. And he's not happy about it. Yeah. Not consensual. No. He's not having a good time. And then Rand has bandaged eyes. Which really leads itself more to the the Paul Atreides imagery going on here. This is not a Dune podcast. This is not a Dune podcast. And I can't ever say anything in response other than <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And the only part of that movie I paid attention to was the 20 minutes of Oscar Isaac nudity. I mean, if you had to pay attention to only one part. <laughs> and Timothy Chalamet just being Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. And Zendaya. For the two minutes that she's actually in it. Listen, Zendaya. That's fair. Anyway, Perrin's in the, in the Wolf Dream to figure out what's going on with the Trollocs. He's figuring out where they are. Because he... And be, and what's what's going on is there are several Trolloc camps around each of the other big big city towns yeah. that are near them. So they're, like, pinning these towns in. Yeah. And they're doing not a bad job, the towns. Like, they've got all of their carts are in between the houses to kind of yep. create, like, a border. They're not doing bad. Nowhere's doing as good as Emmons Field. But... Emmonsfield doesn't... <laughs> they don't have Tam and Perrin and um, Abel Coffin and, you know, two Aes Sedai. Which and is... three Aiel. Yeah. I mean, granted, the two Aes Sedai are probably the biggest contributors to their success. But even even if they didn't have the Aes Sedai, they've got battle mines for how to, pre yes. pre how to protect themselves. They've got yes. Tam and three Aiel. Yes. They, they can definitely enact a plan. And they have a Taviran. <laughs> that too. But I, again, I said I, I yield Taviran. Even if Perrin and the Aiel didn't show up, I think the two, I think that Emmonsfield would be doing a little bit better than the rest of the other towns. Yes. Simply because of Tam. Yes. Because he would have at least thought to do the spike thing. And like, yeah. they they would not have survived. But no. they would have survived for longer. Yeah. yeah. But they're going to survive because Taviran. Yep. So. And... Perrin's in the wolf dream because he thinks that Gaul and Loyal are right, but also he kind of acknowledges that, like, Luke has more experience with Trollocs, and they were running. 
they could have only they could be wrong. They could be. So he's going to go confirm for himself because you know Perrin's an intelligent person. And even if he does believe them, he's got to figure out where they are. Right. See what's going on. Yep. See how long they have in between possible attacks. Yeah. All those things. And uh, big surprise, he comes to the conclusion that there's a fuckload of Trollocs. And, hmm, Slayer's here again. And then he shoots him. Yep. He actually manages to score a hit. And then when he wakes up, Luke is mysteriously injured. Yes. Hmm. What have I been saying for half the season? You've been saying that Luke is Slayer. And... If Luke is Slayer, of course he's lying about how many Trollocs there are, because he's sus. (laughs) Yes. And we have established now that people can change their appearance in the world of dreams. Yes, that is what I figured out and connected the dots earlier in the episode. There is something else going on here that doesn't get explained very well, but we'll get to that way later. It's not as simple as you would want it to be. So he's not Slayer, or is he Slayer? This is meant to, to let you, this is meant to make you think that he is Slayer. Which is not confirming or denying anything. Just saying. There is something... He's been sus the entire time. He has been sus the entire time, and he does run out, clutching the area that Perrin shot Slayer in. Yes. In the middle of the night. He didn't leave. Nobody attacked Luke. He's just on his horse running. Yep. Now he's injured. As a result of Perrin seeing how many Trollocs are basically about to attack Emmons Field, he tries to get Fayil to get the fuck out. He does so under the guise that he needs to take a message. Needs her to take a message to Camelon. Which you know, it's not a bad idea. It's actually not a bad idea. Like I think he's sending and- Fail. Sp- I think he probably should be doing that anyway. He's specifically sending Fail to get her out of harm's way. Right. If he didn't have Fail to worry about, he probably would have just sent one of his companions. Yeah. Be like, go send a message to Camelon. Yeah. But he sends Fail because mm-hmm. she's got her best women. Who'd also stand up for her at the wedding? Yep. She's got she's got bridesmaids. Hell of some bridesmaids. Like, they'll stick a spear in your husband-to-be. Yes, they he, will. If he says the wrong thing. And she's like, okay, what do I want to marry first? Yep. And we learn a couple of interesting things here. We're going to get to the, the why uh, Perrin being an official lord of the two rivers is really complicated. But apparently, the two rivers have a sort of hand-fasting. Yeah, they've got betrothal vows. And you're supposed to say the betrothal vows a year before you actually get married. And the reasoning, because Fayil goes through a whole thing, she's like, I was talking with some of the women in the women's circle, and they really only have that to make sure that you actually get along before you get married. And we have been traveling together for a while. They probably think that that'll count. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Not that I've been orchestrating this behind your back nope. or anything. Now we Absolutely know what she's been has doing been orchestrating this behind his back. Um, and then they... she had this plan before she realized she was yep. have, or he was going to send her away. Yep. Uh, and then they get married very quickly. Yep. They twenty minutes later. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end of the section. <laughs> it is. It's a great way to end the section. Yep. Um, now for why it is so complicated. Per- if Perrin becomes Lord of the Two Rivers. That puts him in a situation if he has a if he has a child, where that child is heir to the two rivers and also in the direct line of succession to the throne of Saldea. Okay, just like Mary Queen of Scots and what's his face? Because I can't remember the French the French prince uh, that she was married to. Their children were heir to two countries. This but, happens all the time. But no, not heir, to, not heir to two countries. This would not would not be the case for Perrin's child. Perrin's child would be heir to a part of a country and a whole borderlander country. Yeah, that's not that weird. It's complicated. Yeah, but and not any less complicated than royal marriages are all the time. True. Perrin has found himself as part of the Saldean royal family. I love that for him. <laughs> prince Perrin? Not yet. No, I guess he's not a prince. She could be a princess. He... It depends on how they do royal titles. True. Because, like, like, if Morgays were to marry, her husband would not be a king. Just like Prince Philip was not king. But... Although it's different with... I mean, like, he could be a king. He was not, though, because he had to give... He had claims to another thing, and so he had to give those up, and so then he wasn't a king. I don't know if Camilla is queen. I think she's queen. I think she's queen consort. I think she's queen consort. But, like... Kate was princess, and because she married William, 
and they were prince and princess before even his dad took the throne. Yeah. So it depends on how they do succession, whether or not she's actually a princess or not. Yeah. Either way, parents married to somebody who stands a reasonably good chance of inheriting a country. Yep. Which is wild. I love that. Good job, parents. So Definitely not a lord, huh? Definitely not a lord. Nope. No Lord Golden Eyes here. Nope. Yeah. Wedding. And he didn't even propose she did. Yeah. And she complains about it a little bit. And I think he didn't propose because he didn't he he's got a bit of land going on here where he didn't want her wedding present to be grief. Because he entirely predicts that the white cloaks are gonna kill him. Yeah. He's gonna go give himself up to them. Maybe he won't now. Nah. He is married to the heir of a country. Yes. So I think that gives him some leeway. A little bit. He, I, well, I think he's not going to do it because I mean, I know why he does or does not do that in the future. Because you've read the series and that's the because point of the Because I've podcast. read the series and that's the point of the podcast. <laughs> but I would imagine that he wouldn't do it because now he sees being a husband as a duty that he has to fulfill. Which, yes, Perrin, yeah. it is. Good job. Good job, Perrin. Perrin continues to be great. Yeah. So that was, there's a lot of stuff in this section and it is... Both a middle section and not a middle section, like the last couple, where... Well, no, it's not a middle section, because this is... we're near the end of the book. The next episode is is the last one. Yeah, this was 80, 90% of the... Like, we're at the 90% mark. This is the last quarter. This is not middle anymore. But it's all... Which is playing into my... I have no idea what... How this is going to end. What the end of this is. Because we've already hit that all is lost moment. I don't know what that was. And I also don't know what the move into act three moment of this book was. What is the major climax going to be? Fun fact, this book is an act. This is one act. Yes, but even within that, it has its own sub act. That's how books work. (laughs) I would not be surprised if he didn't plan this as a single book. This book and the next book have a lot of overlapping things going on. Even still, an editor would have been like, you need to fix some things for pacing to have this be its own book. That's yeah. how editing works. Although I don't feel like the pacing of this book has been bad. Yes, because an editor went to him and was like, <laughs> hey, you need to fix some things so that the pacing of this book can be contained into its own story. That's how books work. That is I how don't know work. what is happening is mainly <laughs> my whole thing. Usually with the pers- with the past three books, I was like, oh, there's going to be a sky battle with Balsamon. <laughs> but Balsamon's dead now, so... Yeah, now it's just the other Forsaken kind of showing themselves and making moves. But even so, we're not super focused on what's happening with Rand now. We've got several no. different plots. So it's like, what? Is it going to be a Two Rivers fight? Is it going to... Like, here's the question Do you think so? There's clearly forsaken things going on with Rand and Elaine and Nynaeve. Is something forsaken y happening with Perrin? There is the other possibility that Luke is a forsaken Ooh, and not Slayer. That's a good theory. I think I thought about that earlier, but just with the juxtaposition of Slayer, Slayer does not use the one power. <laughs> no, but that's why I was. But we haven't seen Luke either. But that's like, I was thinking, Luke is sus. He's either a dark friend, slayer, and he could be a Forsaken. However... Two of those aren't mutually exclusive. No, that's true. But also, we did the count of how many male Forsaken there are left. There just aren't that many. And there just aren't that many, because two of them are in cities on their own. And I think that Morghese's advisor is one, too. Yeah, so there just probably aren't enough aren't. for Luke and to be forsaken. Why would he be hanging out in the two rivers? Like, because that's where Rand is from. Yeah, but like, that's why the Trollocs are there. But Ordeeth is already there, so I feel True. like, and it has kind of been established that like Ordeeth isn't really marching to the Dark One's drum anymore. He's marching to his own fucked up drum. That's also true. You make a good point. But yeah, no, who knows what's gonna happen? Other than me and probably most of the people who listen to this podcast, or not? We don't know. That's true. We should probably take a poll. We should at some point. If Twitter is still alive. Oof. Yeah. Just massive self-inflicted wounds on Twitter. I might need to get into Insta of time in order to... That's unfortunate. Twitter of time is great. Maybe everyone will hop over to Instagram. Maybe. We'll see. This is not a social media podcast. It is not. This is a Wheel of Time podcast. Let's do some recurring segments. Weird prophetic auras. I don't think there were any. Perrin has some dreams. Yeah, I don't really... The only one we didn't really talk about is uh, Rand with the bandages around his eyes. I didn't really play into anything we've already gotten. Yeah. And 
Perrin's visions and his dreams are weirder than Egwene's. Like, sure. I don't, I don't know. They just seem different and less like, yeah. I should write this down because it's going to happen this exact way. His seem way more like tangential. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Favorite moment? I liked a lot of the things that Rand did. And, you know, coming back to it, I'm realizing that it's also because I like Dune. Uh, but I just, Rand is really coming into his own as a unique kind of chosen one in this book. Mm-hmm. Where he's not, he's not good. He is on the side of good, but he is his own person. He's not some, like, avatar of good. He's just Rand. He's just some guy who's been burdened with this. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I think Rand just being the Kaakarn. Yeah. Do I need to ask what your favorite moment is? I think that if you do, then you don't know me very well, which is a shame because you married me. That's true. I'll just go be with Oscar Isaac now. (laughs) I honestly can't blame you there. That's fair. What was your favorite moment? <laughs> obviously, it is loyal carrying gall. No, it's yep. um, <laughs> it is obviously the wedding. Best man loyal. I think a sub moment is best man loyal though. That's it very is related. Fair. It is related to the wedding. I think I do just love that even in this random quick twenty minute spur of the moment decision wedding. Even though it wasn't really all that spur of the moment because Fayil's clearly been working in the background <laughs> for a couple of days now. They had. They had brides people. Yeah. They had a bridal party. They had a ceremony. They they did the things that weddings are. Yeah, and I didn't really expect a Two Rivers wedding to have groomsmen and bridesmaids, but I like it. Yeah. We should talk for a moment about how how also sad it is, if you think about it a little bit. All of Perrin's family is dead. I did not need that. <laughs> I was riding the happy train. Yes. And now I want to cry. He's got loyal there, though. And gall. Loyal and gall, yes. I was see. I was here sitting on the, it's really sad that Rand and Matt weren't there for his wedding. And you had to just come in with <laughs> his entire family is dead. Yep. Cousins, aunts, Why uncles. Why do you hurt me so? Um, because I'm making you read a 14-book-long epic fantasy series. I am going to get you back. Good luck. I don't know how. I've got lots of romance novels. You do have lots of romance novels. Got some fantasy romance novels as well. Yay. (laughs) Anyway, this was chapters 49 through 53 of The Shadow Rising. Next episode, we will be wrapping the book up with chapters 54 to, I don't know how many chapters are in the book because I just wrote chapters 54 to the end. Yeah, I don't remember offhand either, but we'll be finishing it. We'll be finishing it, so we'll be talking about that section, but we'll also just be going back over the whole book. Yeah. Because a lot happened in it. A lot happened. We started off in the stone. Yeah, we did. That was this book. That was this book. Yeah, a lot happened. Yeah. And I have forgotten a lot of it already. And a lot more will happen. Well, there's lots more books. Yes, there are. Bye. Bye.